Have you ever been out in a boat on rough water, like deep sea fishing? When I was eight, nine years old, my whole family went to Florida on a vacation, and I don't know how I got to be the special one, but dad and mom decided to take me deep sea fishing. So um, we got up early. I remember it was really early, and dad took me to this little hole-in-the-wall place, and I ate this great big huge breakfast. Remember last week I told you in, in the movie they show you a little glimpse and they say it's going to come to play later? Yeah, that's, that's your glimpse right there. Then we get on this boat to go out and I'm going to catch this big fish, deep sea fishing, right? And so we get out and no sooner do we get out, the boat's rocking and I'm like, oh, this is not going to be good. And I was a sick little boy and I was just in on this table. I have no recollection of the day other than just, just feeling like I was going to die on this table. Mom being there checking on me and, and dad out fishing. You know, he's like, I'm going fishing. So... Um, fast forward a little bit uh, not I'm going to say three years ago within the last five Meyer and I had the opportunity to go to Hawaii we went to Kauai beautiful and she decided it was a um, executive decision it was a she on our behalf made a decision that we were going to go up to see the island from the sky in a helicopter we were going to fly around and see the Nepali coast and go see you know all the volcano kind of stuff and the rivers and all all of that so once again I decided to go to subway have a foot long before we go up in the helicopter we've no sooner taken off and I'm like this is not good I'm like what about Bob in the in the movie what about Bob this is not good and the only saving thing for me is, you know how when you fly on an airplane, they've got those little air things that shoot that little stream of air right on you? I was the heaviest person in the, in the aircraft, so they had me centered in the helicopter. And fortunate for me, I'm right under one of these air blower things, and I hogged it the whole time. I, I put that thing right on me and just bathed my face. I had sweat rolling down my I had shorts on. It was collecting in my socks. I was sweating profusely. And all the while, Myra, she's looking over, you know, she's seeing stuff, and she's like, Brett, look at, look at that. And, and then finally, she caught my eye, and I'm like, you know, I can't. <laughs> she knew there was a problem. Um, I just kept, the, the only thing that saved me from just losing it all was just having that air blow on me. And when we finally put down, I'm like, yes. And, and keep in mind, I've flown, I've, when I fly on an aircraft, I'm fine. I mean, when was it? Three or four years ago, I went up in a helicopter and jumped out and parachuted to the ground. I mean, I was fine for that. I, um, I'm good on a roller coaster. You know, I, that doesn't bother me. I don't, so, so then, in the spring of this year, um, Myra and I went to uh, Florida. We went to the Fort Myers, Bonita Beach, Naples area. Beautiful down there. Once again, my lovely wife has this this idea that we need to get on a twin turbine pontoon jet propelled vessel from hell is what it was. It's a nasty, the devil made this boat. And we're going to go three and a half hours to the Florida Keys from Fort Myers. It's going to be awesome. So we get on, we go, it's a beautiful day, we enjoy a fairly nice ride there. We finally decide that we will go underneath into the 
covering um, and there's like a cabin we could go into and that's where we sat long long three and a half hours it was, I remember it being really long but I wasn't too worked up sick bad it wasn't too bad beautiful day um, beautiful sunny Florida day we get to the uh, to Key West and um, man did I see some things at Key West that place is crazy so we spent the day at Key West and then we were going to get back on this boat and go back that evening well um, as we got ready to get on the boat, things looked fine. We, we start to get out of the bay, and um, you can look out on the horizon, and things aren't so good. I'd kind of heard rumblings that we might be expecting some weather and some choppy seas. Sure enough, we look out. It's starting to get dark, and it's not just because the sun's going down. It's getting dark, and pretty soon we're starting to hit the, you know, the waves are starting to do this, and then pretty soon uh, it starts to spit a little rain, and it's and then people start to get sick and you know that kind of gets contagious on a boat and um i wasn't feeling so good so we decided well maybe we'll go see if we can seek cover underneath in the in the room part we go down there the minute i walk in the air is stale and it's hot and it's like this is the wrong place to be and my my poor wife she's trying to take care of me she's looking for a place for us to sit and i'm like no we got to get out of this place so we go back up to the top of the deck, and we just decide we're, gonna, we're just going to ride it out, okay? We're just going to get wet. The wind's blowing. We're getting wet. It's cold. We don't really have a whole lot of covering. Um, so pretty much the three-and-a-half, four-hour ride home in the dark with the spitting rain and the wind and people hurling from time to time, lots to dodge. You know, we're just kind of... We're just kind of hunkered down. There's a picture of me somewhere. I should have brought it and shown you the picture of me all hunkered down. About a half hour into this, this poor woman comes up out of the cabin to the surface, and she's, got a, she's from New York. She's got a bunch of family down below, and they do not realize how sick she is. She's come up. She's not feeling well. And, and for three and a half hours, this woman filled bag after bag. She is just so sick. And I know I'm, I'll quit talking about it in just a minute, I promise she's really sick and I'm, I'm there all I can do is pray for this poor woman I mean you want to do something there's nothing you can do I had a stick of gum Myra said maybe you should offer her your stick of gum so I did you know I turned around like a peace offering like would you like some gum she took it she was gracious you know but she was in bad bad shape we finally finally got to land off that godforsaken boat I mean it was just awful we've talked about how the disciples came to follow jesus we talked about the calling of andrew and simon peter and james and john we're going to talk a little more uh, as we get into this story there have been some other disciples added philip and nathaniel are along bartholomew there are others there's simon the zealot there are others um, that are following him throughout galilee and, and they hear him teach and they watch him heal and he has exchanges between uh, religious leaders and they watch some of these heated exchanges take place they get kind of an up close and personal look at jesus today uh, we're going to find them back near the sea of galilee this is about 18 months after they've been following jesus so they've seen some things this is not all new last week we watched we watched jesus he uh turned the water into wine at, at the wedding at cana and that was new to the disciples we we're saying that's probably one of the first things they'd ever really seen out of jesus that would make them go whoa i'm this is somebody special now they've been with him 18 months they've seen all kinds of things as we're going to see in just a minute They're, they've seen a lot even in this day we're going to look at the sun comes up on this day 
that we're going to look at today. And it's been a very busy day for Jesus. Jesus has been teaching. He's come down off the Mount of Olives, which is where he's, uh, he's preached the Sermon on the Mount. Um, he's he going to encounter this guy that's got leprosy. And I told you last week that when you had leprosy, it was like, game over i mean you had to leave your family you had to leave everything that was precious to you couldn't work no one would have anything to do with you you had to walk around the streets calling out tame which means unclean and it was just just not good you were starved for physical affection you just you craved human touch because no one would touch you and, and it just separated you in every way from from everything that was meaningful in your life and and, and we talked about how jesus many times would touch those people well he encounters this this guy um and he touches him, he heals him, and he says, go, you know, don't say anything to anybody, just go tell the priest what's been done. He goes on toward Capernaum, and he enters, and he encounters this, this uh, Roman soldier who has a servant who's ill, and he says, you know, I need you to, I want you to heal him, and Jesus does. And uh, then he goes on into Capernaum. Uh, his disciple Peter has a mother-in-law who is, has a fever, and Jesus, it says, the Bible says that he goes and he heals Peter's mother-in-law and, and um, restores her health. And um, so the day is just off to a start. The day goes on, and, and, and we read about the rest of the day in Matthew chapter 8, verse 16. If you have your Bible, that's where we're going to be today. Matthew chapter 8, and I would just tell you, if you're new with your Bible, just kind of crack it in the middle and turn to the, all your pages to the left a little. You'll come to Matthew. It's the first book in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 8, verse 16. We're going to read about this, uh, this one day that Jesus had and, and basically the night that they get into. When evening came, so we're, we're well into the day now, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out spirits with a word. Now, I don't know exactly what demon possession looks like. Um, I, 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 I don't, maybe I've seen that, maybe I don't, haven't, I don't know. I, I had a professor in college who had a um, son who was a medical doctor and the medical doctor had taken a, a tour of the holy land he'd been over to, to the, the holy land and, and he had kind of got his guide off to the side and he said listen i read about demon possession in the new testament i'm wondering if there's if, you, if there's a like do you see that kind of stuff over here and the guy said well we you know i know where there are some kind of strange things that happen and i don't normally take people there it's kind of dangerous and it's it you know it's kind of different and the, and the doctor said i would really like to see that and so he did um our our professor told us later that that uh, in talking to his son about that he said it just was the most uh incredible uh bizarre strange but re very real thing that he'd ever seen and he said he's my son is a different guy after having seen that he looks at the bible differently and so i don't know what that looks like and I, when it says many i don't know if that means six or if that means 18 or if that means 40 demon possessed people i don't know how many it just says many uh, it says he healed many of them and then and then the bible goes on to say and he healed all the sick so everybody who's in capernaum who who knows that jesus is there has any faith that jesus can do anything for them whoever has been presented to jesus whether they've got a broken arm or a, an, a, a stomach with problems or you know migraine headaches or toothaches or back problems whatever issues they had these people were being brought to jesus and the bible says that he healed all the sick it was an absolutely full day for jesus 
Do you know what that's like? Do you know what it is? I'm sure you do, where you just, there's certain days you just run and run and run, and it's, and then you, you think when you're finally done with all your errands and all your running, you know on those days when it's cold and rainy and you've been out in it and you're just, you're so tired, your feet hurt, your, your brain is tired, and it's, you know, we're into these days now where it gets dark early and you just, all you're thinking is, I just want to get home, get into some comfortable clothes and relax, and then something else pops up and you realize you're not going to get that opportunity. It's going to be a long day. And, and you get to the end of it and it's just like... It just saps everything you have. There are those days. We have those days. I, I, I love you as a church. I love being here on Sunday mornings, but I'll be honest with you. By, by 12.30 on Sunday morning, there's so much that you've poured out. There's so much that you've given. Really, all I want to do is I just want to go home and turn on a football game and just let my mind veg out you know what i'm talking about you ever been there that's kind of where i'm at on a sunday afternoon i just i just want to just put everything in neutral and decompress jesus moves on when jesus saw the crowd around him he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake see he's tired of you know even jesus had had enough of people at some point even jesus said hey it's time for us to pull away it's time for us to get away from all this um everybody wanted a piece of him and so he is going to have the disciples cross the sea of galilee verse 23 then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him now i want to show you a picture of a boat this uh this particular boat is um is not i'm not suggesting to you this is the boat that jesus was in with his disciples what i'm telling you is this is a replica that has been built as a model it's modeled after a boat that they found at the bottom of the sea of galilee that was from this time period okay so this is the kind of boat that about the size and again exactly i don't know if it's exactly but this gives you some idea of the size of boat that jesus and the disciples would have gotten into i mean that's a fairly sizable boat i mean to me that looks that's bigger than the kayak i've been riding around in all summer so um now i want to make a statement here it's going to not sound very profound but it's just a statement that really needs to be made because here's what you need to understand that jesus got into the boat and the disciples followed him and got into the boat you say brett you know that's not knocking my socks off okay i get that i get that but just can i just offer you this that is a great definition of discipleship that is a great definition of discipleship the disciples did what jesus did jesus got into a boat the disciples got into a boat if you're wondering what does it look like for me to follow jesus this is what it looks like for you to follow jesus when jesus gets into a boat you get into the boat whatever it is that jesus is doing you're you're just about whatever it is that jesus is doing your your mind is focused on god what are you up to how can i be a part of what you're up to i want to be a disciple and if you're helping sick people that's what i want to be about if you're being kind to people that's what i want to be about you know our goal is to really what is jesus doing and i want to be doing what jesus is doing these disciples saw jesus get into a boat doesn't sound super profound but they went in after him they were following jesus so you're watching jesus reaction how does jesus react to certain things that's how we ought to react what breaks the heart of jesus those things should break our heart 
Being a disciple is just quite simply doing what Jesus does. Jesus asks a very interesting question in Luke chapter 6. You don't need to turn over there. We're going to come right back to Matthew 8. But in Luke chapter 6, he's around some people who are following him, and he asks them this question. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you do not do what I say? You call me the boss, but you don't do what I say. Being a disciple is doing what Jesus does, feeling what Jesus feels and reacting the way he reacts. Jesus gets into the boat. The disciples get into the boat after him because that's what uh, Jesus does. It's been an absolutely full day. Many uh, demons have been cast out, whatever that looked like. All the people that have been brought to Jesus have been healed. And I just imagine that this is a time where the disciples and Jesus are probably just looking forward to a, you know some calm on the lake. We're going to push out. Certainly the disciples are thinking, we're going to get out on this water. It's going to be great. We're not going to have to be around all these people. It's just going to be us and the Lord, and it's just going to be wonderful. And they push off, and they're probably looking forward to some just nice, gentle rocking waves as they're out on the water with jesus we read on matthew 8 verse 24 without warning if you have your pen in your hand that's a good couple of words for you to to underline without warning the bible calls it a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat now this was not uncommon on the sea of galilee the sea of galilee is surrounded by mountains And you could be out on the water and be looking out at the horizon and not be able to see a whole lot but a mountain and you couldn't see what was coming toward you. And it was not uncommon for these storms to come sweeping up over the mountains down into the bowl of the sea and it would stir the sea all up and create all kinds of havoc. And Jesus and the disciples are out on the water and all of a sudden this furious, the Bible calls it a furious storm, begins to blow up all of a sudden, out of nowhere. Have you seen the show Deadliest Catch? I, I brought some footage. I just wanted us to see this morning. Now, I don't know if the storm was this bad, but I just figured that it would be helpful for us to get a point of reference for what I'm talking about when I say furious and chaotic and water coming over the side of the boat. Um, let's take a look at what it would look like. She's trying to find it for us. There you go. Just We're going to let this run for just a few minutes. Um, you know, when I'm out on water i prefer for it to be daylight and i I really prefer for this to not happen right here um i'm i'm a little freaked out honestly by water at night i don't know if you are but i don't want to be around i don't like being out on water at night i love going being by the ocean but when the sun goes down i'm kind of ready to get away from it a little bit it's not a place i want to be just look at that i mean when 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 you're saying furious would we not all agree that this is furious this is got one more really good one to show you i think after this yeah i'm pretty much done at that point let's go home can you imagine the the noise and i mean these guys are professionals it amazes me to watch them they don't act like they're phased by any of that but i I would be crying for mama about that time (laughs) it's something you have to say it would would be something similar to that 
that the disciples are experiencing with water coming over the edge and the boat filling up. And I mean, we all know we don't want our boats filling up with water. I want to show you a picture. This, and I'm showing you this really for reference down the line. Now, I realize this picture is a little dark. The, the main portion of the picture, the best part, is the dark part. Um, this is Rembrandt's um, uh, Storm on the Sea of Galilee, I think is what this picture is called. Um, keep in mind that the disciples, some of these disciples are trained professional fishermen. They've, they're used to being out on water. This isn't, the first, this isn't their first trip to the rodeo. They've, been, they've seen storms before. Okay, they, they know what it is to be out and have the boat rocking, and they, you know, they can do that kind of thing. I see those guys that are on Deadliest Catch and the boat rocking like that. It amazes me that they can work through that and not get sick. They're special dudes. The disciples, storms weren't new to them. This wasn't new to them. Get out on the water and the boat be rocking a little bit. The disciples have followed Jesus for 18 months, and on this day they follow him to the shore into a boat they follow him out into a lake and they follow him right into a storm and it's at this point that i just want to stop and make this observation because you need to hear this this morning let this sink in with you jesus led them into a storm okay he led them into a storm we have this thing where we expect i just had a conversation with somebody that was telling me about a friend of theirs that just doesn't believe that they ought to ever that they're, they're never going to get sick jesus led them into a storm you can't tell me jesus didn't know that was going to happen it's like do you think jesus went oops didn't see this coming i think jesus probably knew the storm was going to happen you, you you just as you are a follower of jesus i just want it to sink in with us there are going to be times that jesus may lead you smack dab into the middle of something that is going to scare you absolutely to death verse 24 jesus or the the bible says without warning a furious storm came up without warning you know what that looks like that looks like a 55 year old guy that goes into work and he gets called into the office and this is what they tell him you've been downsized there's been a change in our company your services are no longer needed we appreciate the 20 or 30 years of service that you've given to us. You have been a rock-solid employee, but this is where it ends. Furious storm without warning. You're a young man, and you've found the woman of your dreams, and you're going to get on your knee and ask her for her hand in marriage. You take her to dinner, and you whip out the ring, and you look across the table, and she looks at you with this look, and she says, you are a really neat guy. but I can't marry you. Furious storm. Without warning. He had no clue. Storms just don't happen to disciples in Jesus' day. They happen to disciples in our day. And either you've been through a storm, you're in a storm, or you're headed toward a storm. But one of those three sentences is is a description of you and where you are in your life. You're either in one you're going to be in one or you're just coming out of one and guess what there's probably more on the way without warning the storms of life come up on the lakes of disciples it did it then it happens now and when storms hit i think something that is very natural for us to do and something very natural for us to to say is to say jesus where are you i'm afraid i don't get it I, i where are you 
And I think that's exactly where the disciples are. They're wondering, you know, they've been following Jesus for 18 months. They get out on this lake into this boat. The storm hits, and they want to know, Jesus, where are you? We find out as the story goes on, verse 24. But Jesus was sleeping. Sleeping. He's in the boat, sleeping. In another account of this story, in one of the other Gospels, it says that he is in the stern of the boat, he's on the back of the boat, and he has his head on a cushion. And he is fast asleep in the middle of the storm. Now you have to ask yourself a question. What kind of person sleeps through this kind of storm? I would offer you two two possibilities and i think both of these are true of jesus first of all he's very secure okay very secure he, he knows we'll get to that in a minute i'll talk about that in a minute the second thing is this someone who's exhausted someone who's exhausted would sleep through a storm someone who's exhausted who whose body craves rest and sleep this has been a full day for the disciples I think part of what's going on here is he's wiped out. We, we read a, about another story in the Bible that kind of gives us a clue. Jesus has gone through this before. It actually happens after this event that we're looking at now. It happens in the city of Capernaum. Jesus is there. He's been healing. The crowds are pressing all around him. And the Bible says that this woman presses up trying to get to Jesus. The Bible says that she has this issue of blood. She's, there's hemorrhaging things. Some, something's going on with her. And she thinks to herself, if I can just get to Jesus, this is going to be taken care of. And so, there's, there's, as was always the case, there's all this chaos around Jesus. People pressing in. Everybody wants his attention. They've seen him heal, and they all want to be healed. And Jesus is doing all he can to, to reach to people and to take care of their needs and meet them and to make some connection with them. And she presses through, and the Bible says she is able to touch the hem of his garment and then we read this in mark chapter 5 immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering now that's pretty cool i read that and i think that's pretty stinking awesome that all you got to do is touch the hem of his garment and you can be healed like that but then you read verse 30 and i think verse 30 is fascinating at once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. Which makes me wonder, what exactly does that mean? What exactly is going on when it tells me that power had gone out of him? It, I, I'm not sure what it means, but Jesus was drained in some way when this woman was able to touch him and, and power left him. Now, I don't know, and I'm not know that I'm going to be able to answer this for you this morning, but I'm just these are the questions I've got. Was this a spiritual thing? Was this a, an emotional kind of energy? Um, did it happen every time he healed someone, or was, it, was this an isolated thing? And if it was something that he experienced every time he healed someone, and then we've read earlier that he had cast out many demons and he has healed all that have been brought to him, if it's true that something leaves him when he heals, you can imagine how completely exhausted Jesus is on this boat as he sleeps through the storm. Back to our story for today. They're in the boat. The storm is raging after having a day where he's cast out many demons, healed all the sick, he's just wiped out. Can you relate to that? 
Moms with toddlers. Can you relate to trying to get your kids to take their naps at the same time in the afternoon so that you can breathe a little bit? So that you can have a few minutes by yourself to eat lunch or you could lay down and maybe, maybe catch 15 minutes sleep on your own or take a few minutes and pick up the house just so those little varmints can tear it all up again. And you come to the end of your night and and it's just like, oh, I am exhausted. And you probably say as much. College kids who, who are going to school and they're studying hard and they pull all-nighters for finals and exams and they've got a little bit of a social life and some friendships that they cherish and, and um, they, maybe they're working to help put themselves through school and some of ours are, are athletes and runners and things like that and they've got practices and games and meets and matches and and. It's not uncommon to walk through a dorm room and see some poor kid, some poor guy or girl sacked out on their bed, just gone, because they're exhausted. A mom who goes to work all day and works hard for her boss and, and really gives to the company and comes home and then tries trying to figure out, what am I going to serve for dinner? And, oh, I've got to fix that and got to make sure little Johnny's at practice and little Susie is at dance class. And, and it just goes on into the night and... And she finally gets all the kids to sleep, and then she finally gets her house in some kind of order because women just can't seem to sleep unless the house is in order. And then she goes to bed, and hubby is in bed, like, hopeful. And she says, have you lost your mind? Go to sleep. She's exhausted. Dads who go to work and they work all day long and they come home, try to be an engaged dad. Try to help with homework and, and take Johnny out and toss with him a little bit and, and, and be involved. And maybe there's an open house or maybe there's some practice or a game that they've got to go to. And he goes and he, he does and they have dinner together and he tries to be present with his kids even though his mind is at work or at the office. And once everybody goes to bed, the laptop comes out. Maybe I can get a little bit more done before I go to work in the morning. And he's just, he lays down at night and he's just beat. He's worn out. I think Jesus understands. If you're here this morning and you find yourself and you've said even as in the last 24 hours, I am just worn out. Jesus knows what that's like. You do not have a Savior who does not understand what you go through. You do not have a Savior who does not understand exactly what it feels like to be completely exhausted the storm hits the boat's being tossed the wind's blowing jesus is asleep on the back of the boat and or the disciples are are, are the we know what jesus is doing jesus is asleep what are the disciples doing in a word in two words they're freaking out they are freaking out what is going on these are seasoned commercial fishermen this is not the first time that they have been on the Sea of Galilee. I told you that before. They're not unaccustomed to having the boat rock a little bit, but this apparently is pretty bad. And you would just expect that seasoned fishermen would have this under control, right? Verse 23, the disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us, we are going to drown. They are wigging out. The boat is filling with water and they're crying, <laughs> Lord, save us. They, they, they think it's over. Let us acknowledge something here. 
when you go through your storm, and you will, and some of you are in the middle of it right now, there is a part of you that thinks that you're going to drown. There is this part of you that thinks, I am not going to make it. I am not going to make it. During the reign of King David, they were after him. They wanted to politically and physically destroy him. And there's a point in all that where David writes a psalm. It is Psalm 69, and I'd like to share a little bit of that with you. There's some imagery in his words that I think we relate to. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. You get this picture of someone who's trying to bob their head in the water and they're sinking, and when they go to sink, they want to push up, but this the floor is spongy and they just can't get their head above water i have come into the deep waters the floods engulf me i am worn out calling for help my throat is parched my eyes fail looking for my god you get a picture of someone who's sinking and they're scanning the horizon for their rescuer and they're calling out their voice is hoarse they they it's it's serious I am about to drown. I'm scanning the horizon, and I'm looking for a Savior. I'm looking for a rescuer, and I don't see any help. I don't see anybody. And literally, you want to scream, Oh, my God! What's going on? What is going to happen? I'm afraid. It's true. When the storm hits, we feel like we're going to drown. It feels like that emotionally. Conversations won't shut down in your brain. You lay awake at night. You don't get any sleep. It happens physically. You have headaches. You feel nauseous. Your head hurts. You feel like you're going to throw up. I showed you the picture, the Rembrandt picture earlier. <laughs> I want to show you that again. Oh, we got a, we got a camera. We got a we got bad video over there. You can't see it real well. What I'm going to show you is this picture, and then I'm going to show this blown-up thing, and I'm, it's not going to show it real well, but in the bottom right quadrant, we see this, and I don't know if you can tell, but that, that dude at the very bottom has his head thrown over the side of the boat. Okay, Rembrandt painted this guy tossing his cookies is pretty much what he did. Um, we can relate. That's what it feels like when you go through the storm and you think, oh, I'm, just, I'm just not doing real good. just feels like you're going to die. So let's honor the fact that when the financial storm hits, when the health storm hits, when the relational or the marital storm hits, it feels like you're about to drown. Our story continues. The disciples have awakened Jesus. And in verse 26, Jesus replies, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? In other words, your faith seems so tiny. What's wrong? What are you afraid of? Now, I don't think Jesus is belittling them. I don't think he's mad. I don't think he's making fun of them. I don't think he's putting it in their face. I don't think there's anything like that. I think he might be a little exasperated. I think the tone of this probably sounds a little something like this. You have been with me for 18 months. 
You have seen the things that I can do. You have watched me, even on this day, cast out demons and heal people. Peter, I healed your own mother-in-law. What else do I have to do to show you that I am not going down in a storm in the middle of the Sea of Galilee? Is that how you think the Son of God is going to meet his end? He's going to drown in the Sea of Galilee. You think God gave me all this power and this ability and I'm, I'm walking around healing people and it all goes down in a big storm in the middle of the sea? Really? Well, no, we really didn't think that. We, just, we were just a little afraid. I think that Jesus is just exasperated. I think, he, I think it, it would be kind of like you get with your kids sometimes when you've said the same thing over and over and they just don't seem to believe you. I want to do this. I was going to have you say this out loud, but I'm not. I'm going to just, just do this quietly among ourselves. Why don't you close your eyes for me? Close your eyes. I think one of the things that Jesus asks is, will you trust me in the storm? And do you know that the storm will not kill you? So what are you afraid of? So what I want to do is I just want you to, whatever circumstances you find yourself in, and some of you may be in the middle of it right now, I just want you to repeat this little uh, saying to yourself. Don't want to say it out loud. Just to you. I just want you to say this to yourself. And I want you to let this sink in. The storm will not kill me. The storm will not kill me okay it feels like it but don't be afraid the storm will not kill you here's what that means and what it doesn't mean if you're in the middle of a big financial storm right now the storm will not kill me does not mean that you won't lose everything you could very well lose everything but that's different than killing you. The storm will not kill you. In fact, you may walk away from something like that. Sure, would you be embarrassed or would, you, would, would it be hardship? Absolutely. But you may walk away from that with a better understanding about who you are. You may, under, you may walk away from that a more generous person. You may walk away from that thinking to yourself, you know what, I have a deeper contentment today than I've ever had in my life. The storm will not kill you. When the relational storm hits, I'm not suggesting to you that it's all going to go hunky-dory and that you'll, there's going to be no problems. The relationship may end. But you can walk away from that and say, you know what, I have a patience that I didn't have before and I have self-control that I didn't have before. And I'm softer and I'm kinder. The storm will not kill you. Someone right now might be thinking, yeah, Brett, but I've, I've watched people go through those kind of storms, and on the other side, they're bitter, broken, angry people that you wouldn't want to be around. That's absolutely right. You will run across those kinds of people, but I'm going to tell you, the storm did not do that. Because I've watched people go through some crazy stuff, and on the other side of it, they're not like that. They're beautiful people. They have a patience and a willingness to help and a willingness to open themselves up and engage again. You choose how you're going to respond to these different storms. The disciples find themselves in the midst of a storm. The boat's being swamped. They awaken Jesus and they say, rescue us. And he says, your faith is too small. What are you afraid of? And then he does something that's absolutely incredible. The second part of verse 26. Then he got up rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm 
I love that. One of the other accounts of this story says that he stood up and he said, Peace, be still. Almost like he was talking to a child. Shh, be quiet. And the waves died down and everything got calm. And the disciples are in awe. They cannot believe what they just saw. These men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. The wind does what he says. The water does what he says. I mean, we've been watching him for a long time, but now he's he's commanding the waves. He completely calmed a raging sea right in front of us. I cannot believe what I just saw with my own two eyes. Let me tell you, that was true then. It's true now. When the storm rages, Jesus is in the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. He's not nearly as worried about it as you are. So if you're a disciple and you're following Jesus and Jesus is in your boat and you look back there and you see him sleep and the storm is raging, everything in you is going to cry out that you should be afraid and, oh, this is where I'm going to meet my end. No, look at your Savior. He's... He's fine. See, I, I really think that, that Jesus was very secure in the fact that, hey, this is not how I'm going down. God's got a will. God's got a plan. And can I just say this? For those of us who are believers, for those of us who are Christians, and, and, and we're going to give you the chance in a minute to give your life to Christ. I, I would hope you'd take it, the opportunity. But here's what I know about me. If I got sick and died tomorrow, I'm going to go be with Jesus. I mean, is that so bad? I win. (laughs) I win. We win. The storm cannot kill you. I was going to start this message. I was going to get up here and press play on a song from the 80s. Ario Speedwagon riding the storm out i was this close yeah i was this close and and some of you would have gone what the heck kind of church have i walked into and others of you would have said man i love this church that's the title of the message today it's riding the storm out you just got to ride the storm out and you got to see a savior in the boat with you who is fast asleep he's not worried about a thing and we take our cues from him Okay, you have a Savior who looks at you and says, the storm will not kill you. Now, if you're not a Christian, I offer you the opportunity to follow a man who can instill that kind of bravery and courage and faith in you. And it will change your life. Am I telling you that the storms will go away? No, I'm telling you that the storms may get worse. It may rage. But you'll have a dude in the boat with you that models for you what it is to go through those kind of things and you will, you will encounter those things with great courage, great faith. We are disciples. We should do what Jesus did. Let's pray together. If you've never given your life to Christ, we're going to stand and sing in a moment. I encourage you to give that some thought. Maybe you would like to become a Christian today. Let's pray together. Father, what a great story. And we want so much to be like Jesus. I want to be that guy who's asleep at the back of the boat 
And when I look at the storms in my life and how I respond to them, I've got to really confess I don't do a very good job of that sometimes. Would I understand better the principle today that the storm will not kill me? I belong to you. There's nothing for me to be afraid of. So, Father, as a church this morning, as we walk out these doors, I pray that we would walk out changed. I pray that we'd walk out different than we did when we walked in. I pray that we would know the storm cannot kill us. Bring it. Bring it. Father, we love you. If there is someone in this room this morning that does not know who you are, I pray that they would know you the way we do. The strength and the grace and the mercy that comes from a relationship with Jesus. It's in his precious name we pray.